Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in on Zeta Radio. Today, we're going to talk about open source and more specifically about open source in robotics. But as we're talking about open source, did you know that Europe is the continent that contributes the most open source? And that has been a constant over the past several years. And by the way, in spite of the fact of you know, Google, Facebook, and other successful software company being American, we should recall that Linux, the Linux operating system, was invented uh, in Europe. And the trend that was set you know, several decades ago remains. Europe is one of the pillars in open source. Today, we want to focus, or we are going to focus um, specifically on an open source foundation that is incorporated in Europe, which is the Eclipse Foundation. Did you know about it? Perhaps not. Perhaps yes. Or maybe you thought that Eclipse was just an idea. So let me set things straight and uh, uh, let's, let's look at Eclipse at um, open source foundations. So most of you will be familiar, for instance, with the Linux Foundation, obviously incorporated and created around the, uh, the Linux project, uh, perhaps Apache because of the famous Apache web browser. And Eclipse, like the Linux and Apache, took its name by, by its, let's say, historical project, which was the Eclipse ID. But since Eclipse started, you know, many things have happened. First of all, Eclipse reincorporated in Europe. And so as of today, is the first, I would say, and only uh, open source foundation with international visibility that is incorporated in Europe. And as a consequence, all the um, open source software uh, that is incorporated and incubated within Eclipse follows all the European export rules, which is, which is I think, great. And the second point is that um, Eclipse, today we could argue that, that it's about everything uh, and a little bit of IDE, because as of today, Eclipse has over 400 projects, um, and one of the most active working group is the IoT working group. The IoT working group has been there for over 10 years, so in this area, um, Eclipse was pioneering, and um, it incubates well over 50 projects. And among these projects, there are many protocols that are key in robotics. Thus, you know, the, the reason for us focusing on open source in robotics. So talking about open source, you know, sometimes the question is, what does make open source successful? Well, there are several, we can look at it in several ways. Open source is free, right? And so many people think that free all of a sudden is, um, you know, is interesting, especially if it's free and uh, high quality, like it happens for several open source, open source projects. But uh, for those of you that recall Richard Stallman, and I had the pleasure to share also a couple of times the, uh, the speakers with him. But anyway, Richard used to say, um, you know, free software is not free like in free beer. Okay, it's more like free in free speech. And I think this is important to understand, and I want to elaborate a little bit, because as open source users and as open source um, contributor, we have some responsibility. And I think those responsibilities are very important if we want to ensure that this ecosystem will continue to exist and will continue to be, I would say, uh, producing good software and innovative software. So let's look at the side of the developer. Usually, if you contribute to open source, you know, it's because you like programming that gives you a thrill. But in a way, it's an act almost of you know, complete uh, generosity. On the other side, if you're using an open source software, 
I mean, even if you're not contributing back feature, in a way you're contributing because perhaps you are testing, which is great. But we shouldn't forget, right, that um, uh, some of these open source contribution requires lots of skills, requires lots of time. And so I think it's responsibility of the community overall to make sure that sufficient resources are available to these teams that contribute to open source to make sure that they continue to do so. As data scale, you know, as you know, we are committed to open source. We are lead of two key uh, protocol projects within the Eclipse IoT uh, community, notably Eclipse Cyclone and Eclipse Xeno. And we make sure not only to invest as a company, but also to contribute both in terms of time as well as financially to the open source ecosystem. And uh, this is really my call to making sure that everyone understands that if you want to make sure that we continue to innovate and innovate while remaining open, you know, we have to, you know, we have to chip in, we have to contribute. The other aspect that sometimes is underestimated is the role that open source has on educating, not just us, also future generation. Now, I, I was always passionate by computer science. I started programming when I was very young. And in my days, okay, early days of programming, well, the internet was the internet was already was starting. There wasn't much open source, and the little that was there wasn't always easy to, to get. But I recall that whenever we could get a hand on some of open source code, right, that could have been Minix or Linux or some other library, uh, we would be you know, looking into it and trying to get all the trick that we could. So open source is a way of preserving knowledge and sharing knowledge with other developers. And I think this aspect sometimes is underestimated, but um, the, the formation and educative aspect of open source is just, uh, just incredible. Okay, but let's go back for a moment to open source and open sourcing robotics. So as I mentioned before, Eclipse has been pioneering open source technology in IoT. Um, more precisely, within IoT, they have several projects, some of which are some of the most successful uh, protocol in, uh, in IoT. So if you're using MQTT, it's highly likely that you're using an Eclipse project. If you're using DDS, it's highly likely that you're using an Eclipse project. And if you're using Xeno, obviously that is an Eclipse project. And uh, these protocols are not only found in IoT, but they are at the foundation of robotics. And so in the rest of this podcast, we'll uh, have the pleasure to discuss with Frederic Desbien, which is the, product, the program manager of the IoT working group. And he will have an interesting exchange with Julien Enoch, which is our senior solution architect on technologies or open source technology for robotics. So let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hi, Frederic. Thank you to join me to the, for this podcast about open source and robotic. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you. And so maybe we can start with explaining us uh, what is the Eclipse Foundation and what it's doing for open source software. Absolutely. So, you know, one, one thing we need to clear up, you know, first thing, it's uh, many people still associate the Eclipse Foundation with the Eclipse IDE. And historically, it's been, it's been the case. We've been created in 2004 to be the vendor neutral home of Eclipse IDE. But since then, we diversified a lot. And uh, in fact, our IoT working group, Eclipse IoT, was the first step into this diversification process. So nowadays, Eclipse is a vendor neutral 
organization, a non-profit organization based in Belgium. So we operate under uh, EU law. And, and really the goal is to be the steward of open source projects. So at this point in time, we have over 425 open source projects. The number always goes up, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, with over 275 member organizations, what we do is one and one thing only, to keep an eye on those open source projects and find various ways to make them thrive. And this is what we are about. Okay. And so um, the IoT working group that you, you're managing is uh, a really vibrant uh, community for more than 10 years now. Uh, it provides a lot of open source software for various uh, IoT projects, uh, commercial or not commercial. So in your opinion, what made uh, the success of this uh, working group? I think our success, and, and we're about to celebrate the 12th anniversary of Eclipse IoT, so that's quite a milestone. Uh, but looking back at our stable of 50 plus open source projects in the IoT and edge computing space, really, I think the success of this community comes down to three fundamental values that are literally our three rules of engagement at Eclipse when we talk about open source projects. So this is about openness transparency, and meritocracy. So openness is the fact that we are open to everyone. Anyone can join an Eclipse project. Anyone can submit a patch. Anyone, of course, can consume. This is open source, but really, there are no barriers to involvement. And the lack of barriers come from the second point, the transparency. Everything we do is public, public mailing lists, public uh, Slack channels that anyone can join, uh, public roadmaps for our projects. So the, the whole point is that with that transparency, we make sure we have a level playing field among everyone that's involved into a project. And, and, and of course, there are projects that are, let's say, led by a specific organization or where specific companies have more involvement. And a good example is Zetascale with the Cyclone DDS and Zeno projects. Um, but, you know, really... Anyone can join those and work with you guys on those code bases. And you know, if they if they play by the rules, they will be treated exactly the same way as you are. And the third point is meritocracy. The fact is that you know, at Eclipse, you you don't become a committer, someone with the rights on a repository or on a code base magically like that. You need to build a history of contributions, and at some point. The existing committers of the project will elect you as one of those, and 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 you know how it is because you you've got uh, Julien that uh, that title on uh, at least Zeno, I think, and and so the fact is those three values reinforce each other, right? The fact that we are open, where means that we are more transparent, and the fact that we are transparent means we are a true meritocracy, where everyone can say, hey, this guy, you know, he made. Uh, explicit and, and valuable contributions to projects. So that's why he is a committer or even a project lead. And I will uh, add that, yes, anyway, we, we love to have, have a contribution on our software at uh, Zetascale for both Eclipse uh, Zeno and uh, Eclipse Cyclone DDS. So if you feel comfortable to join us and to, to have some at least review code or even more valuable contribution in terms of code, yes, please join us. Yeah, and if some, someone watching is, uh, let's say, interested in doing that, but you're not sure how to start, it's my job to tell you how. So please come to me, find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, and I will 
you know, guide you uh, into the process to, to start making contributions. So this IoT working group is, uh, yes, dedicated to IoT and so on, but now there is also another uh, large group of software which is attached to robotic, which um, also leverage open source. So why do you think open source is also important uh, for robotic? And I think it all boils down to the fact that open source is critical not just for robotics as a specific use case, but for IoT in general. When you think about IoT, you know, anything with sensors and actuators that interacts with the real world, what you want to do is really to tailor the software and hardware platform in many cases to the use case, right? You don't want features that you, you don't need because you will waste battery power, you will, you will waste precious CPU cycles to things that are don't bring value to your specific use case. And in robotics, it's especially important because you have those units, they are supposed to be deployed in the field more, more often than not. And they are expected to operate you know, at a certain level, a certain level of battery life, a certain level of uh, execution. In many cases, you know, robots will need to, to do specific tasks in a specific time. Uh, you think about a car factory and, and they are doing precision welds on, on, on Lamborghini frames or something like that. You know, you have uh, this need to be really efficient in, one you, in what you do with predictable latency and all of that. And so it's much easier to build solutions like that when most, if not all, the components are open source. Otherwise, if you have those commercial black boxes in the middle, then it's really hard sometimes to debug or optimize the overall solution for your specific use case. And this is why open source is so, so important, and in particular in robotics, of course. Yes. Very good point. Uh, and so you recently wrote uh, a book about uh, IoT uh, Eclipse uh, technologies and how to use those in uh, IoT solutions for, for business, uh, for enterprise, and commercial project. So in your view, with all the view, the projects, uh, projects that are already uh, available in um, IoT working group, do you see some projects which could be recommended for uh, a robotic use cases? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and of course, outside of Eclipse, there is plenty of good stuff as well, right? The focus of my book was Eclipse because I was there to help my projects find their, their developers, right? Uh, but uh, when you think about the wider space, of course, the robot operating system, ROS, uh, specifically version 2, ROS 2, is really uh, uh, unavoidable. I mean, it's, it's really a must-have, I think, in terms of robotics. But looking at our, uh, at our uh, table of projects or toolkits that we have at Eclipse IoT, there are quite a few projects that are relevant directly or not to robotics. Of course, at the core, you will have fundamental protocols that you'd like to deploy on a robot because you need to get telemetry in and out. You need to send commands in and out with minimal latency and, uh, of course, reliability in many cases because, <laughs> well, you don't want to, to, uh, to send those commands multiple times and then they will be executed multiple times and completely disrupts your, uh, your industrial process, for example. So, uh, 
when I look at our toolkit that we've got, of course, uh, Eclipse Cyclone DDS and Eclipse Zeno uh, come at, at the forefront. Of course, if you're familiar with the robot operating system, it's been built with a DDS middleware at its core, at least initially. Things are changing in that space right now. And I think, Julien, you could, uh, you could speak about that more than me. But um, initially, it was built around DDS. And that's why Cyclone DDS is a very robust implementation of DDS, lightweight, highly portable, uh, with minimal dependencies. So it's easy to, to port to other environments. And uh, there's a DDS chapter in my book uh, that explains the basics of the protocol and how Cyclone, uh, you can leverage it. And of course, after that comes Zeno. Uh, Zeno, we could say, is DDS done right for the modern times in the sense that the design for DDS is already 20 plus years old. So there were things in the world that changed uh, since then. And especially the need to connect applications in an edge computing perspective in remote locations and have all of those pieces work together remotely. And, and Zeno is very good at that because it's been, it's been built from the ground up as an edge computing protocol, as a, even as an edge computing platform, since it's not just a protocol, but a way to, to query data, to run evaluations, and of course, to manage distributed storage uh, as well, and many other things, of course. But uh, really, though, those two are, are really directly related to what we have in robotics. And then there are things that are a bit farther away that you can leverage uh, for a fuller solution. For example, if you want to deploy software updates on your robots in the field, then Eclipse Hogbit is a proven way to run uh, update campaigns at scale. And when I say update campaigns, it's really not just about, oh, I will push this binary blob on my robots. It's about, I will push this binary blob to 10% of the robots, and if it's successful 96% of the time or more, then I will continue with the next batch. So, you know, I would say that uh, software updates in robotics are not just about, you know, pushing the update itself. It's about planning in a way where you will not disrupt industrial processes and the overall infrastructure as well. So really, uh, Hogbit is, uh, I, I think, highly relevant. And then there are other things like Sparklog, for example, in the sense, well, Sparklog is more oriented towards MQTT, but you can encapsulate MQTT traffic with Zeno, with the plugin that you've got, for example. And, and Sparklog is useful if you need to interoperate with other industrial automation equipment that support it. And it, it's highly relevant to that space because MQTT is really uh, taking the world of industrial automation by storm. But the problem with it is that you can publish, well, one of the great strengths of MQTT is that you can publish anything anywhere, but one of the bad things about it is that you can publish anything anywhere. So Spotplug defines a payload format and it defines a namespace for topics, so the places where you publish the information, and it makes out of the box uh, the infrastructure interoperable. Native Zeno doesn't have those problems in a way because it defines things in a different way. But MQTT is so prevalent that you need to interoperate with it. So Sparkplug is a good way to provide interoperability for the part of your infrastructure that would speak MQTT. And, and then I could continue on and on. We have so many <laughs> building blocks, but I think those are the core projects. Okay, thank you. So Eclipse is also uh, taking care of um, an open source hardware architecture, right? Uh, the the RISC-V uh, architecture. 
Um, so do you see also a trend for open source hardware uh, and components in, uh, in robotics? Uh, absolutely. Uh, one thing I need to clarify, uh, of course, is that uh, we have a great interest in, in RISC-V, but what you describe is in fact from a partner uh, organization that we have, which is called Open Hardware Group. We collaborate very tightly, and in fact, the, the back office for Open Hardware is provided by the Eclipse Foundation. But really, uh, our focus at Eclipse IoT is great software building blocks, and what they do at Open Hardware is the same for hardware. And Initially, the, the, the RISC-V instruction set was open source, but nearly every processor that you could buy using that instruction set was proprietary. So you knew in advance what the instructions would be, the, the, the CPU manual, let's say, but nothing more. And this was a problem because from a standpoint of customizing a chip uh, or even adding new instructions, custom instructions of your own to the platform for a specific need, for example, uh, you, would, you wouldn't be able to do that even if the chip is RISC-V. So what happened is that Open Hardware Group was created by a former executive director of the RISC-V Foundation, Rick O'Connor. And the idea was to work the Eclipse way, but on hardware design. Okay, And this means open and transparent. So you go to GitHub, and you go to the repositories of Open Hardware Group, and you will have repositories for specific processor cores with a specific feature set. And they have everything from the tiniest microcontroller all the way to gateway class cores that can run Linux uh, and, and provide a bit more power, of course. And, uh, but the great thing is that you go to GitHub and you have literally the design for those chips in the GitHub repository. So that's in uh, written in system Verilog. If you're not familiar with the space, it's a language where you define how a chip works. And you can put that. And if you are a chip designer, you can put that, let's say, on an FPGA. If you're not familiar with that, it's a field programmable gate array. In other words, a chip that is reprogrammable and that can emulate any, any other chip. So this is highly useful because then you put the system Verilog for the open hardware core that interests you on that FPGA and you start testing it. And now you can make modifications and test them and test them and test them. And once you are happy with the result, you can take that and get an actual hardware chip for that uh, made by a specialized company. So of course, this is a bit more involved than just programming. I need being a chip designer is a whole other thing. But you know, previously, that kind of customization was available only to very large organizations. But nowadays, with those designs, anyone can literally take the design, improve on the chip, and then have chips made. And, and that's a tremendous difference because, once again, IoT and robotics are about customizing the platform to the use case. So to have this capacity to tweak the chips is really fundamental provide better solutions in the field. I agree, yeah. Moreover, if you want, uh, for instance, to, to tune uh, the energy consumption of your chipset, uh, then you can have a really tailored uh, robotic design for, for any big robotic application. Exactly. And, and there were already uh, open hardware designs in the, in the ROS2 operating uh, system uh, community, for example. I think some some interesting robots that you can buy for yourself come with what is called the OpenCR board, 
And OpenCR is an open design. You, you have the design for the PCB, you have the supporting software, all of that is open, uh, except the microcontroller that drives it, which is based on ARM. So that's a black box for you. Uh, but all of the rest is open, which means you have a variety of implementations of that and it really enabled people to innovate in the space. And Open Hardware is trying to do the same in the RISC-V space. So now not only they have processor cores, but they have also a full-blown microcontroller. And so uh, they, they will have, uh, I think, an evaluation board available by the end of the year that you'll be able to buy with an actual silicon chip on it. it that's right. So in the current landscape, uh, landscape uh, in your opinion, what are the key challenges of open source technologies? in IoT and in robotics? I think the main challenge comes down to this. People love open source, uh, even if they don't know it. And that's the thing. I mean, you, you pick your iPhone, you pick your smart TV, you pick your favorite game console, <laughs> you know, uh, all of that is full, chock full of open source software. In fact, some experts estimate that you know, 80 to 80, 95% of all the code in the world is open source. So actual proprietary implementations are just the top 5% on the top. And this is incredible. I mean, when you think about all of the software and everything that we use on a daily basis, open source really is everywhere. And so we collectively came together as a programming community and and you know, build all of those things, and this is fantastic. However, many organizations will consume open source, and that's it. And they are missing on 95% of the value when they do that. Of course, consuming an open source library for your project is a time saver, and uh, of course, uh, it's free, so, you know, you reduce your cost. But you are missing out on all of the benefits that come from being involved in a community. And the thing is, you know, open source, you know, nothing is really free in life, right? Open source is free because it's a production model where we try to have a level playing field where everyone can come. But that's the thing. To sustain the projects, you need to come. And that means you need to submit patches. You need to submit even just ideas or documentation or something to sustain the project, right? If you don't do those kind of commitments or even financially supporting the projects by joining the Eclipse Foundation, for example, or you know, sponsoring uh, projects on GitHub or things like that, uh, the problem is that, well, something needs to, someone needs to pay. And there, the temptation for the companies that started those open source projects is to close them and try to you know, make more money on the top of them because nobody else is pitching in you know, to sustain the project. And this is uh, something that you see more and more uh, recently. Um, you know, the, the, there's been the news, for example, that the makers of uh, a platform, very popular platform uh, for infrastructure provisioning called Terraform. And they, they, they modified their license so that uh, it's still open, you can still see the code, but, you know, there are so many restrictions on commercial use that it's not open source anymore. And I'm disappointed by that, but at the same time, I understand why. You know, it was open and many people were just consuming, not giving back to the community, and this forced them to find 
other ways to, to make money. And that's the reality. So if you love open source, right? And if you love the fact that it's free, you need to give back, you know, something at some point in order to sustain the project. And this is really important because if you don't do that, then of course, you know, the companies that, that actually give something to the community at some point, they will need, they will need make a profit as well. And then you will lose access to what uh, you were using. So this is a problem, you know, it's not new. It's been around for 20 plus years, as long as open source has been around, we, mm -hmm. uh, we should say. Uh, but the consequences are tremendous. If you think about uh, Heartbleed and, and the vulnerabilities a few years ago that were in OpenSSL, you know, mm -hmm. it's then that you discover that OpenSSL was literally two guys in their basement doing that in their, in their free time or something like that for a critical piece of infrastructure in every banking system in the world. Right. So you, you need to pitch in because otherwise what you think is there and is a given will vanish at some point. Yeah, thank you, Frederic, for this. And yes, anyway, uh, feel free to join us in this uh, big adventure that is open source because yeah, there is plenty to do and uh, plenty also to get back from, uh, from open source. Thank you, Frederic, for this uh, very interesting chat. Uh, I remember your, your book, um, Building Enterprise IoT Solutions with Eclipse IoT Technologies. Uh, hoping a uh, book about robotics very soon. And, uh, <laughs> I would love to, but I, you know, I would I would need to work with you and and you guys at ZScale on that because you're the experts about that. Me, I, I'm just a beginner with my turtle bot in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Fantastic. you, Frederic. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you today, and uh, see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, Bye. Uh, Thanks for the great work that you and the guys at ZSCAD are doing for open source. We really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Frederick. Thank you, Julian. That was a great exchange, very insightful. And to wrapping up this podcast, so I would like once again to underline the fact that Eclipse is a key player in open source and it is a European consortium. I think it's quite important. Um, through the discussion, we saw the incredible role that the technologies incubated in Eclipse IoT have in robotics, and by the way, in many other domains. Um, I think there were some important comments on the values, the values that have to be really endogenous to a community to make sure that open source projects are successful, right? Meritocracy is very important, right? Trying always looking at the long term, you know, being welcoming. And um, I think uh, Eclipse incarnates that, um, and we found it a very natural house for, for Zetascale and for our project, because their values aligns very well with our values. And uh, as a conclusion, I would also like to you know, thank in general to the all the people that, com to, that contribute to open source, and in particular, to all of you who have contributed to you know, some of our open source projects such as an end cyclone DDS. So keep rocking, keep hacking, and uh, see you on the air. <laughs>